facts, candid conversations, and some levity to lighten your day. This is The Kale Clark Show on Relevant Radio. Hey, welcome back to the program for another week. It is Monday, it is May the 15th, and I'm so glad to be talking to you. You're listening to Relevant Radio. This is The Kale Clark Show. You can give me a call right now, 888-914-9149 is a toll-free line to call. And you can also email the show, great place to send show ideas, questions, comments. Love to hear from you. Kale at RelevantRadio.com, C-A-L-E at RelevantRadio.com. And you can find me on Twitter at Kale Clark, C-A-L-E, Clark with an E. And what a week it was last week. Uh, Very successful pledge drive, our spring pledge drive. Thank you for stepping up to the plate. You guys came through. We met our target. We even exceeded it by a little bit. And if you didn't have a chance to make a donation, you can certainly do so by going to the app or going to relevantradio.com. We really want to thank everyone for pulling through for us last week. And it was such a busy week on Friday. We had so much to talk about, of course, with Saturday's feast that we just had of Our Lady of Fatima. Had to talk about that. Have to talk about Our Lady, of course, our mother. Mother's Day weekend. I didn't really have as much time to talk about Mother's Day as I wanted. So we're going to do that today. We're also going to talk about some explosive stuff. And I truly mean that. Uh, I don't know if you've seen the trailer for the new Oppenheimer Oppenheimer movie uh, on J. Robert Oppenheimer, the Manhattan Project, World War II, the atomic bomb. It is going to be something else. Christopher Nolan is doing this film. We've got the trailer for you. Plus the real life grandson of Oppenheimer has something to say about the energy crisis that we're in right now. And he thinks we should go a totally different way than the way that a lot of folks are going. You won't want to miss what Oppenheimer's grandson had to say about this. So that's coming up later. Lots more faith facts and fun on the program. Plus the week that was, producer Jim Shaper has it for you. Got all of that and more on the Kale Clark Show on this Monday. Once again, 888-914-9149 is the listener line to call. So I, I did want to say a very, very belated. It's belated because it has to be. It's Monday. Yesterday was Mother's Day. And like I said, I didn't have a chance to talk about this as much as I wanted to last week. So I want to really do it now. And I hope you had a good chance, if your mother's still living, to to talk to her, to spend some time with her. If you are a mom, want to thank you for all that you do. You're so important in God's plan. And yesterday, I was actually driving with my wife, Trish, who's an incredible mom, to see my mom and dad. And as we were driving up, we were listening to a podcast. It was kind of a prayer meditation by a priest, an Irish priest named Father Connor Donnelly. And his stuff is really, really profound. He's really, really deep. And he had this incredible meditation on Mother's Day. We were listening to it just going, wow. So I, I just had to share some of this with you because I don't think mothers get enough credit in our culture. And I, I, I just want to celebrate you for all that you do and for who you are. And in in the Psalms, of course, it, it tells us that God created our inmost being. We are knit together in our mother's wombs. And so mothers make so many sacrifices for their kids. And, and it's one of the commandments, obviously, to honor father and mother. In the book of Leviticus, it says that everyone should revere even their father and mother. And so I just I just think like, the church has raised motherhood to to an even more profound level when we really think about it. Well, we'll get into this a little bit, but but Father uh, Father Donnelly had some really amazing reflections, and he talked about, for example, the the Renaissance paintings of the birth of Christ and 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 how they depict the Virgin Mother of God, and 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 
how she's such a template for for mothers, and and she had this calling, obviously a, a supernatural vocation from all eternity to be the mother of Christ. But but motherhood really is that vocation. It, it, he he said it's not a hobby, <laughs> it, it, it's a calling, and he said you don't collect children the way people collect baseball cards or food stamps. It, it's not something you do just to fill the time or to squeeze the time in. Absolutely not. It's what God has given you time for, and also for eternity as well. And Mothers change eternity. And, and he said that motherhood really represents almost everything that our culture hates. You say, how is that possible? Have you seen the commercialization of Mother's Day? They love celebrating Mother's Day. They want you to get stuff. They want you to get flowers. And those are good things, if you can do that, absolutely. But here's what he means when he says that our culture really kind of hates motherhood because motherhood is one of the great pictures of laying down your life for another person, of laying down your life for another person. And that's what the gospel is all about. Jesus said, you know, I've come to lay down my life for you on the, on the cross. He laid down on the cross, allowed himself to be nailed to it, and when we lay our lives down for one another, we really fulfill this commandment, the, the great commandment that Jesus gave us. Love one another as I have loved you. That's what the crucifix is all about. And, and mothers do this every single day. They give of their lives for their children. And Jesus cares so much about children, little kids and big grown-up kids like, like you and me as well. He said, let the little children come to me. We... He loves them, and we have to love them as well. And that's what moms do really, really well. They, they, they bring the love of God to, the, to their kids. But loving them sometimes, oftentimes, involves discipline. And Father Donnelly really struck me when he said that when you say no to your child, that's also a loving word. That's a loving word. No can be a loving word. Because children need to hear that from time to time. And if we do this for them, if we tell them no, that's one of the ways that kids later on will be able to say no to themselves. If they never hear the word no growing up, and a lot of kids don't hear the word or very seldom hear the word no growing up, it's very difficult for them to say no to themselves as they get older, to giving in to sin, to giving in to temptation. So we've got to start getting them used to that. And no is not necessarily a bad word. And so this is what mothers do. And a lot of moms, obviously, the vast majority of moms make so many sacrifices that their kids might well, probably never know about. And sometimes they're made to feel like their work is not valuable in, in the culture, that they're not really making a difference. And when they're, if they're home, speaking of nuclear energy, we're talking about Oppenheimer later, Sometimes you might feel like a bomb just went off in your home and it, everything is just chaos. The kids are running around. It's a mess. Dinner just burned. You know, the dog is barking. It's like, wow. But Father Donnelly said, in a way, just as God created order out of chaos in the universe, in the world, we have to create, and moms really, they, they have this beautiful work of sharing in in God's work in the home and kind of bring order out of that chaos. And is it easy? No, absolutely not. But it, but it's a sacred thing. And and the, the work of moms and dads too, obviously, in the home 
it's a sacred thing because it's the domestic church. It's the ecclesia domestica, as theologians talk about. And it really is sharing in, in, in God's creative work. And St. John Paul II talked about what he called a human ecology, a human ecology. We hear a lot about the environment, the ecology, and you know, Pope Francis even wrote an encyclical about it. But JP2 said, hey, the most important, we, yeah, we have to take care of our common home and all that sort of stuff, for sure. It's entrusted to us. We've got to care for it. But the most important ecology, according to JP2, is a human ecology, an environment in which the human person can flourish. Because we as human persons, as men and women and children, we're, we're not blights on the earth. We're not parasites on the earth. The universe was created for humanity. And, and man and woman are, are the crown of creation. You can even say woman is the ultimate crown because she was created last, so that's the masterpiece. So the universe was created for humanity. And so we need, as JP2 said, a human ecology, an environment that's good for the soul, for, for every aspect of the human person, especially especially the, the eternal aspects of the human person. And so this is really what the mother gives because... There's great value in these little things. They, these little things are never really little. They're, they're, they're huge. A, a mom might be tempted to feel like she's not making a difference, but she really is making an eternal difference. And so, man, there's so many tasks that they do and, and, and you know, dads do as well. And a lot of times people don't know how hard moms work, but it, it is an incredible thing in the eyes of God. And that, that's something that, we need to, to tell moms constantly how much we appreciate what, what they've done for us. And the suffering that begins even, you know, in gestation. And Father Donnelly suggests, hey, if, he, if your mom's still alive, go talk to her one day and just ask her what it was like to carry you for nine months. What did she go through? What were, what were some of the morning sicknesses she had? What, what, was, what were some of the stresses and the anxieties? Like everything that she had to go through for you. And moms are, are sort of this great you know, not only example of the gospel of laying down one's life for, for another person, but, but also in the, in the way that St. Paul says that as followers of Jesus Christ, we often have to be all things to all people. Paul said, I have to be all things to all people so that I might by all means save some. And of course, it's Jesus Christ doing the saving, but we have to be able to relate to everybody. We have to be able to unlock the key of the heart of the person that we're talking to. And everybody's got a key to their heart. We just got to figure out what that is. What, what's the secret to, to getting them to open up? And it's knowing the gospel. It's also knowing your friend. This is, this is really what it's all about. You're listening to The Cale Clark Show on Relevant Radio, 888-914-9149. And, and, and a mom, like St. Paul says, you have to be all things to all people. Moms are like that. They have to wear a lot of different hats, especially throughout a child's life as the child grows from infancy to adulthood. And as one great parenting writer, James Stenson, he, he writes about, he always says, parents, remember, you're not raising children. People talk about raising children. You're actually raising adults. You can never forget that. You're raising an adult, somebody who's supposed to be a, a tough-minded, free individual who's responsible, who's living the virtues and who can make a positive difference in the world and, and, and hopefully be online with God in a state of grace and, and be a saint with God for all eternity, but starts on earth. And, and it's raising adults. And, and as, as a mom is doing that, 
she has to wear a lot of different hats. She has to be a mom to a toddler in the early years and deal with diapers and all that stuff. She has to be a spouse to her husband, a lover, a friend, a coach, a psychologist, a chef, or whatever. There's so many different roles, and dads play these roles as well. But it's really, really important, and there's so much talk about motherhood from St. Paul. And his letter, For example, his letter to Titus, he talks about uh, the role of, of the woman and the purity that she brings to the table and, and the care that she gives to, to her family and how she teaches her children. And so this is what, this is what, what God gives us. And it, it's, it's always a blessing. And, and there are many moms out there. And I really appreciate it. My local parish, the, the homily was given by the deacon this past weekend, but he really did point out that there are a lot of women out there who, who long to be moms, but, but they're not for whatever reason, maybe they're not married yet, or maybe their spouse has passed away or, Whatever the case may be, uh, they're struggling with infertility, and uh, we've been through that as well in, in, in my marriage, and so I understand that. And so I really like that he gave a word out to to all the ladies that are out there, so that that, that God has a plan for them, and they, they have that they have that ability to nurture life and to give life in so many different ways, and to help people in their spiritual life to be born again in Christ, to be to to, to mature in Christ. And there's so many ways that that a woman can do that. And so uh, that was that was well said, and. And so in the book of Proverbs, it talks about starting children off on the way they should go, and when they're old, they will not turn from it. And I know that there's a lot of moms, maybe even listening to me right now, on the K.O. Clark Show on Relevant Radio, 888-914-9149 is the number to call, who they say, well, how's that true? Because I have a kid who did go off the rails, maybe even more than one. When they were older, they did turn from the way. Well, it's it's a proverb, right? Like, it doesn't mean that it's kind of a general truth, but but don't forget the game. The game's not over yet. God always takes the long view with souls, and as long as there's breath, there is life, and there there is hope. And so, through your prayers, you can you can still impact them and pray that someone else comes into their lives. But it's not, it's 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 not over yet. It's not over yet, and moms are so worthy of honor for all these prayers that, that they that they give for their sake of their children, their spiritual well-being. It also talks about in the scriptures um, when a child grows up that they, they arise and call their mother blessed and her husband as well. And you know, he praises her at the city gates. There's all that sort of stuff. The, the Proverbs woman that's so archetypal, archetypal, whatever the word is, you know what I'm talking about. And they're worthy of honor. They're worthy of honor. And so they're a gift. Children are a gift. Mothers are a gift as well. And so we, we, we think about the different great mothers in, in church history, even in the New Testament. In St. Paul, talking about Timothy, he, he mentions that, hey, Timothy, the reason, one of the reasons why your faith is so strong is because of Lois, your grandmother. Not Lois Lane, but she certainly had a super faith, a superhuman faith. Lois and his mother, Eunice, a grandmother and a mother. And I don't know if, if Timothy had a lot of guys in his life that he knew other than St. Paul, who were really strong in the faith, but, but those two women were really powerful, his grandmother and his mother. And maybe maybe you're listening to the show. Maybe it was your grandmother who taught you about Christ. Maybe, and in all likelihood, <laughs> I think if you were to pick a random room of 100 people, maybe 98 would say their mom taught them their prayers. 
at the foot of the bed, you know, kneeling down at night, taught them their prayers, taught them their first catechism, if you will, the, the, in this domestic church, teaching them the first inklings of the, of the gospel. And it was very true for Timothy. Timothy became this great pastor and leader in the early church. What about St. Monica? As we look further in church history, we, we know all about her and her son, Augustine, St. Augustine. They all both became saints. But one of the more striking things that St. Augustine said in his autobiography, in the Confessions, this is a powerful statement for all the moms out there. Wow. He said, my mother shed more tears for my spiritual death than other mothers shed for the bodily death of their sons. Whew. That is a powerful statement. St. Monica was so strong in her faith. She was so worried about her son because she knew he was in mortal sin. He had gone off. He had joined a cult. He was immoral. He had fathered a child out of wedlock. He did all kind. You name it, he did it. He, he was just a seeker of pleasure. And she cried more for his spiritual death, for the death of his eternal soul, than many mothers would cry for their the physical death of their sons. So, whoa, man, that 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 is... Whoa, man, I wasn't trying to make a pun there, but whoa, man. <laughs> it's the old Scott Hahn joke, you know, why she called woman Eve. Because when Adam first saw her, he said, whoa, man, she is beautiful. Anyways, okay. So this is the great care of body and soul that our mothers have, have given to us. And they're our primary educators in the faith. They're very often the person who first teaches us about God, about the church, about what love is really all about. And so, especially in those early years, those formative years, like later on, of course, you know, a father's always important all throughout a child's life. And it's not true that he only matters later on when they're, when they're older. I, I do know a family, I'm not going to say who it is, but I do know a guy who, he just like doesn't want to be around infants. He, first, everyone loves babies, but, but this guy's like, hey, you know, I, I'm not going to be there. Like, you, you do the nursing and I, I, I will see you in a couple of years. No, I mean, he's there, but, but he, just, he just doesn't want to get involved. But dads, of course, are involved in the lives of their children all throughout the process, or at least they ought to be. But, but there's no question that when you're, when you're small, you turn to your mom. When you fall and skin your knee, you turn to your mom. That's why that, that scene in the Passion of the Christ was so moving when Jesus has a little... It's, she, Mary's watching Jesus fall, carrying the weight of the cross, and he falls the first time, the second time. He meets his mother on the road, and and he kind of cuts it back, this vignette of, of him falling as a little boy and, and hurting himself and, and Mama Mary going, rushing to him to pick him up and, and hug him. And, and it's just such a powerful moment. I mean, my goodness, that, that's, that film was really touched by the Holy Spirit, the, the impact that it had. And, and so that's what, what Christian motherhood is really all about. It's, it's following in the footsteps of Our Lady, who's the ultimate mother of, of all of us. It's about raising children not to be children but to become adults and to become saints for all eternity saints for all eternity so that is really really important that's why jp2 said the family is the school of deeper humanity <laughs> it's a school of love it's a school of the soul it's a school of self-giving this is this is where the civilization of love really starts jp2 said that we, we live in a culture of death and that culture of death is going to, it can't survive because it's going to kill itself. There's no life there on so many different levels. And we can all give aspects of the culture of death, list the architects of the culture of death, as one writer said. They're, 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 they're legion. <laughs> they're legion. 
But the civilization of love and life really starts in the home and in the, with the family. And that's why the enemy doesn't like the family. The enemy doesn't like marriage. The enemy doesn't like motherhood because it calls to mind the life of Christ and this idea of laying down your life for yourself, true, the true gift of love that Christ models for us. So I just think it's really so crucial for moms to understand that. So your work is valuable. Your, your, what you do is appreciated. And even if your, your kids maybe don't understand it right now, hopefully they, they will later, but God certainly sees it. God sees what you've done and what you continue to do. And I just want to encourage all the moms out there on this day after Mother's Day. Uh, I want to say thank you for all that you've done for us, to my mom, to my wife, and what she does for our daughter. This is the this is the the essence of so much, and why the family is really a picture of the Trinity, the life and the love that is shared in the Trinity is really modeled in time. The life and love that we share in the family, and so don't let anybody look down on you for being a mom. Don't let anybody give you any any guff. Uh, it's appreciated. We thank you, and you know, we entrust the whole project uh, of the family to the Holy Family, Jesus, Mary, and Joseph. If you're listening to the Kale Clark Show on Relevant Radio, if you want to react to any of this, uh, please give me a call, 888 and we'll be right back after this quick break. The Kale Clark Show, giving you the confidence you need to bring the faith into everyday life. Hey, welcome back. 888 914 9149 is the number to call to talk to me for free. 888 914 9149. Relevant Radio is and always will be free, but it's not free to produce, and that's why you guys stepped up to the plate last week with our pledge drive. Give hope. We certainly did. We, we met our targets and surpassed them. Thank you so much. Uh, for your gifts, your tax-deductible gifts. And if you didn't have a chance to make a gift and you'd still like to, uh, you can do so at RelevantRadio.com and the Relevant Radio app. We had an amazing week last week, like I said, and I want you to get a taste of it in case you missed it. Here's the week that was on The K.O. Clark Show by producer Jim Shaper. How do we beat time anxiety? Well, one of the things that the author says is try to shift your focus from outcomes to output. Very often we get tied up in the result, the outcome. Is the outcome what we want? We can't always control that, but we can control the process. We can control the output. You know, what are we doing? What can we actually control? Ask yourself, what does time well spent mean to you? If you're thinking you have time anxiety, well, what does time well spent mean to you? What actually gives joy uh, in your life? Uh, Obviously, time and prayer is going to be really important in your spiritual life for sure. We're talking about time well spent. We're talking again about the process. It's the where, it's the when. Uh, And then they kind of quote this writer, uh, Maria Edgeworth, who said, if we take care of the moments, the years will take care of themselves. I love that. So we see that the term greater, when Jesus says the Father is greater than I, the term greater speaks to the position of the Father in heaven over against the position of the Son on earth. 
the son had voluntarily laid aside his divine prerogatives and humbled himself by entering into human flesh. He would soon be leaving this humble position, returning to his position of glory. If the disciples had been thinking about the ramifications of Jesus' words, they would have rejoiced that he was going to such a place. Instead, they were focused upon themselves and their own needs, not upon the glorification of their Lord." End of quote. That, that is bang on, I think. The Code of Canon Law of the Church doesn't have any official statement about ghosts. Neither has any ecumenical church council. Like, there's no document on ghosts from Vatican II, let's put it that way. But St. Thomas Aquinas totally believed in this, the angelic doctor. This is what he said, quote, It is absurd, absurd to say that souls of the departed do not leave their abode. According to the disposition of divine providence, separated souls sometimes come forth from their abode and appear to men." End of quote. Michaela, let's hit us with joke number one. Hey Daddy, I poured my veggies on the ground. You poured your veggies on the ground? Yeah. Okay. Because I wanted peas on Earth. Oh, <laughs> I wanted peas on Earth. I like that. I like that. Very good. Very good, Michaela. All right, what's what's joke number two? How do you count cows? How do you count cows? I'm not sure. With a calculator. Oh, uh, I should have seen that one coming. Oh ho ho! That was that was that was great. That was uh, utterly funny, Michaela. If I do say so myself. I believe that the Blessed Virgin chose to be known as Our Lady of Fatima as a pledge and a sign of hope to the Muslim people, and as an assurance that they who show her so much respect will one day accept her Divine Son, too. He went on to say this, this is the last thing. Archbishop Sheen said, quote, Evidence to support these views is found in the historical fact that the Muslims occupied Portugal for centuries at the time when they were finally driven out. This is an incredible story. The last Muslim chief had a beautiful daughter by the name of Fatima. Many Muslim women throughout the centuries have been named Fatima after Muhammad's daughter. Archbishop Sheen says, A Catholic boy fell in love with her, and for him, she not only stayed behind when the Muslims left, but she even embraced the Catholic faith. The young husband was so much in love with her that he changed the name of the town where he lived to Fatima. Yeah, how about that? If you missed any of those episodes from last week, you can check the podcasts on RelevantRadio.com, the Relevant Radio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. What a, sh what a week it was, and that was a great week that was segment by producer Jim, and we, we had so much fun talking about ghosts in particular. I was thinking about it, Jim. We, we, I probably should have used for music you know, the song Ghost by Justin Bieber. My, my fellow Leaf fan <laughs> is probably, a, we're, we're lamenting the ghost of a lost season, but... Or maybe the psychedelic furs, the ghost of you, if you remember that song. And so many missed opportunities. We'll have to do another show on ghosts because we barely got through all the, all the material that I wanted to talk about. And so many people were interested in that one. So do check the podcast, check the uh, records, and you'll uh, be able to download all those, share them with a friend. So hope to have another great week on the show, on the K.O. Clark Show. And I'm he, joined by producer Jim. And you can call in right now, 888-914-9149. We talked about Mother's Day, the importance of moms before the break. Really appreciate you. I was kind of, I was kind of preaching there. It was kind of a fervorino, if you will, and uh, kind of 
got carried away. But I, I, I just, I, I really love Mother's Day weekend. It's so great. And it's traditionally, too, at least where I live, it's also the weekend that priests get ordained. And I, I think there's a, there's a beauty to that as well. And there's a lot of, anyways, we'll, we'll talk more about that later. But I, one, one thing I, I definitely want to get to is now that we're getting into the summer months, we're getting close to the summer months, I'm hoping to catch up on some movie watching. There's a bunch of films that I want, really want to see. And one that I'm looking forward to that's going to be coming out this summer, and I, I, I didn't even know they were making this movie. I kind of had my nose to the grindstone. But Christopher Nolan, who, of course, directed the Batman trilogy, Batman Begins, The Dark Knight, The Dark Knight Returns, he is going to be coming out this summer, and the trailers are out there. There's two trailers out there already for a movie called Oppenheimer. It's all about the physicist J. Robert Oppenheimer really changed the world, and people argue whether it was for the, the better or not. And it's about how he works with the team of scientists. He starts up the Manhattan Project, World War II times, of course, and it leads to the development of the atom bomb. Here's the second trailer. Here's a piece of it. This is a national emergency. Detonator's charged. We're in a race against the Nazis. And I know what it means if the Nazis have a bomb. They have a 12-month head start. 18. How could you possibly know that? We've got one hope. All America's industrial might and scientific innovation connected here. Secret laboratory. Keep everyone there until it's done. Let's go recruit some scientists. Build a town, build it fast. If we don't let scientists bring their families, we'll never get the best. Why would we go to the middle of nowhere? for who knows how long. Why? Why? How about because this is the most important thing to ever happen in the history of the world? You're the great improviser, but this... you can't do in your head. Are we saying there's a chance that when we push that button, we destroy the world? Chances are near zero. Near zero. What do you want for theory alone? Zero would be nice. This is a matter of life and death. I can perform this miracle. World War II would be over. Our boys would come home. That's happening, isn't it? World remember this day. Our work here will ensure a peace mankind has never seen. Until somebody builds a bigger one. You are the man who gave them the power to destroy themselves. And the world is not prepared. Truman needs to know what's next. Two. What's next? One. 
All right, so that is the trailer for the movie Oppenheimer, directed by Christopher Nolan. Woo, man, uh, uh, if that doesn't get your blood pumping, I don't know what will. Star-studded cast. Uh, Killian Murphy plays Oppenheimer, of course. He, he was in, hey, speaking of Christopher Nolan, he was in the first Batman movie. He was the Scarecrow, remember? Uh, speaking of superheroes, Robert Downey Jr. is in the film as well. Uh, Rami Malek, who played the, the bad guy in the last James Bond movie. Matt Damon is in it. You heard his voice there in the trailer. And Emily Blunt plays Kitty Oppenheimer uh, from the Sicario film and so many other things that she's done. So this is this is going to be a blockbuster, I think. I can't wait to see it. But in real life, the real-life grandson of J. Robert Oppenheimer penned just a couple days ago really interesting op-ed in Time magazine, and it was all about nuclear stuff, specifically not, not atom bombs, but nuclear energy. And of course, we live in a time where people are talking a lot, of, again, about nuclear war, maybe not since the Cuban Missile Crisis has, has, has been on people's minds as much, maybe during the Cold War, of course, because of the conflict that's going on uh, with Russia and Ukraine. But J. Robert Oppenheimer's grandson has written about, his name is Christopher, um, has written this piece in Time Magazine. It's just a really kind of a short piece, which I'll read to you really quickly. I'd love to get your thoughts on it. 888 888-914-9149. You're listening to The K.O. Clark Show on Relevant Radio. And it's called Nuclear Energy's Moment Has Come. And I just, just want to read what he has to say here. Quote, For all the recent talk about clean energy and a shift away from coal, there's a major problem in our goal to transition to a net zero carbon economy. Despite all the growth and advances in renewable energy, globally we consume more fossil fuels than ever, and our rate of CO2 production is in fact increasing, not heading to zero. But there's a bipartisan, environmentally friendly solution still sitting on the table, still waiting for its moment, if only we can overcome our predetermined bias. So Christopher Oppenheimer goes on to say this, quote, as J. Robert Oppenheimer's grandson, I believe that my grandfather would support the expansion of nuclear energy as an environmentally friendly solution to address both the world's energy problems and, perhaps counterintuitively, as a catalyst for peace and unity. And so they call him in the, in the family um, J.R.O., J. Robert Oppenheimer. So they, they, they lovingly refer to him as J.R.O. Anyways, so when he was in charge of the Manhattan Project, the Los Alamos Laboratory during World War II, he noticed, a lot of other scientists noted, that, okay, this is a, this is a new milestone that, that has been achieved following the detonation of the first atomic bomb. And Christopher Oppenheimer says, quote, in witnessing a technology sufficiently powerful to destroy humanity, they also recognized its potential for collective good, that it required a new level of unity to address common threats, so JRO and others recommended that the only safe path forward was global scientific cooperation, especially in an effort to avoid international arms races. That level of cooperation is necessary to face today's threats from exponential technological growth, end of quote. That, that's a really interesting idea. Now, I, I, I don't know how, I think that might be a little bit naive and optimistic that you're going to be able to get global scientific cooperation, that, that everyone's going to be able to just get together and work together to make sure that that uh, there's not going to be an international arms race. I highly doubt that. But it's interesting that he kind of 
noted that, you know, the danger that nuclear weapons pose to the world is a little bit similar to the danger that's posed to the world from exponential technological growth. Think about the growth of AI, and we've been talking about that a little bit on the program. ChatGPT has been banned in a lot of places. People are worried that the robots are taking over. AI is getting just a little too big for its own britches, maybe. I don't know. But that's that was an interesting quote by uh, Christopher Oppenheimer. But he, he goes on to say this, though, about nuclear energy, which is really his point that we should be maybe using more nuclear energy and we shouldn't be afraid of it. He says, quote, nuclear energy has the ability to be scaled at an industrial level globally. Uranium-235 has millions more times of energy than coal or oil. It's also important to underscore that nuclear energy became unpopular in part due to its association with nuclear weapons and fears about its safety. But the actual safety record shows it's one of the safest sources of energy, and it's becoming more popular to be both an environmentalist and pro-nuclear at the same time. We must get over our cognitive and political bias. Nuclear energy is necessary and safe and not the same as nuclear weapons, end of quote. Interesting. So he's saying that there's kind of this growing movement of people who are both environmentalists and who are pro-nuclear energy. That's kind of interesting to think about. And then he started talking about in this piece, and we'll, we'll put a link to it in the show notes, Director Oliver Stone, remember that guy, JFK? Um, he just, apparently, it's coming out soon, June the 6th, he's releasing um, a documentary called Nuclear Now. Or as, uh, you know, the, the as, 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 who, who used to play a George Bush Jr., President Bush, on Saturday Night Live, do you remember? Was it Dana Carvey? Okay. When he used to say, nuclear? Yeah, yeah, so, anyway, so, Nuclear Now, Nuclear Now, uh, which is a new documentary from uh, from Oliver Stone. Um, he, he apparently this is this is all about the the rise of the anti nuclear movement and sort of an argument for using nuclear energy to address the the massive energy crises that, that are out there in the world. And and so, anyways, Christopher Oppenheimer says there's no way we're going to meet all the carbon-free, carbon-neutral targets without, without nuclear energy. It's environmentally friendly. It's necessary, according, according to him. And apparently, I didn't know this, but support for nuclear energy has risen to 60% across the United States. And that, that's, it apparently is bipartisan as well. Democrats are supporting as well as Republicans. So Democrats, 59% uh, of Democrats support nuclear energy. So how about, how about that? And um, that, that's, that was a little bit shocking to me. So it's, it's supported in a bipartisan manner. You would think that that would only increase. And it's, it's just a thought-provoking piece. And it was, here, here's how he kind of closes, closes it off here. He says, this is Christopher Oppenheimer here. Uh, he says, quote, As my family observes my grandfather's birthday, it's time to call for a Manhattan Project for Carbon-Free Energy Production. For as much doom and gloom the climate change narrative brings, we can also focus on what can be done to plan for a more sustainable future. Chief among them is an industrial-scale production of carbon-free nuclear energy. We've done it for defense. We can do it for energy. There's great hope for nuclear energy development, increasing cooperation that my grandfather, people like Nels Bohr, Einstein, and other scientists said was our path to a safe future. They recognize that there is only one way humans could survive when we possess technology as powerful as atomic bombs, and that is to cooperate on a shared, safer, cleaner future. End of quote. 
So that that's uh, an interesting take in Time Magazine, a little op-ed there by Charles Oppenheimer. I believe I mistakenly said Christopher. Sorry, Charles. It's uh, Charles Oppenheimer, who's the grandson of, of course, J. Robert Oppenheimer. And the movie's coming out this summer. So interesting. I just thought it was an interesting thought piece. And uh, it, I think it's probably true that nuclear energy gets a bad rap. And maybe there's a better case for it. Um, yeah, there's an untapped source, maybe. So interesting. We live in uh, intriguing times. You're listening to The K.O. Clark Show on Relevant Radio, 888-914-9149. Have a take, have a thought on that. Call in, 888-914-9149. We'll be right back. Faith, facts, and fun. It's the Kale Clark Show on Relevant Radio. Have a question? Give Kale a call at 888-914-9149. Thanks, Julie. And it's an excellent time to call. We've got some open phone lines. I guarantee if you call during this segment, there's a really, really good chance you'll get in. As long as you don't have a completely out-of-left-field take. Uh, 888-914-9149. It'd be so good to talk to you. 888-914-9149. 9149. Follow me on Twitter at Kale Clark, C A L E Clark with an E. And you can email the show, Kale, C A L E, at relevantradio.com. Well, another, so we, we talked about faith stuff. We did a sort of a spiritual look at Mother's Day. The facts were in the last segment, along with the week that was. If you missed it, definitely download the podcast of this program. It should be up a few minutes after the show ends. You can check the week that was or check the actual episodes of the week that was by going to the Relevant Radio app, Relevant Radio. Dot com. You can also make a tax-free donation in case you missed the pledge drive last week uh, on the website or on the app. And we thank everyone once again uh, for getting us over the hump and helping us to reach our targets. We can stay on the air for another quarter. We only do this four times a year, and we do thank you for uh, for your support here on Relevant Radio as we seek to bring Christ to the world through the media. And so now it's time. So we talked about um, nuclear energy, the Oppenheimer film that's coming out, Oppenheimer's grandson, Charles uh, has penned an op-ed in Time Magazine saying we really need to get back to nuclear energy as a, as a clean source of energy. It's Why not? It's got a bad rap because of nuclear weapons, but hey, we should use this. So if you missed that, do check the podcast. And So we did Faith Facts, and now we got to do a little bit of fun. And I don't, I don't know what you guys did for fun this past weekend. I know a lot of you probably visited your moms. One interesting thing that I, I thought was pretty wild that happened in the city where I live in Toronto, Canada is that uh, the WNBA, the women's NBA, had their first ever game in Canada. It was an exhibition game between the Chicago Sky and the Minnesota Lynx. And this was a big deal. Chuck Swirsky, Bulls broadcaster, uh, the great Swirsky, he's a really good friend of the program. He flew from Chicago to Toronto just to go to the game because he used to be the broadcaster of the Raptors for many, many years. has lots of ties in the city as well. But this exhibition game, and a lot of the stars that used to play, like Candace Parker used to play for the Chicago Sky. She's not there anymore. Despite the sort of lack of marquee stars, this game sold out. It was an exhibition game of the WNBA. It sold out about 20,000 seats in 20 minutes when the tickets went on sale. So obviously there's a lot of speculation that uh, Toronto is going to get a WNBA team because they're looking to expand and I have to tell you, I have to tell you, this this is kind of growing on me because I, I'm a big sports fan, as you know, if you listen to the program. 
I do enjoy watching women's basketball because it's a little bit, I enjoy the fundamentals of the game and true. You don't get the high flying dunks. You don't get the extreme athleticism that you do in the men's game, but I do, I do enjoy watching it. And I, I really enjoyed watching the women's NCAA tournament this past March. I think it was actually more entertaining than the men's tournament. I, I could, you know, your mileage may vary on that, but Caitlin Clark, come on. She kind of took over the national conversation. And so it, it's kind of intriguing how I, I actually personally didn't think the WNBA was going to last for long, as long as it has, but but man, it is growing. And this game had was not only sold out, but it had like gold-plated corporate sponsorship, like Nike, Canada Goose, um, you know, huge brands like lined up to promote this thing. So it's kind of intriguing. I don't know what you guys think about this, but it was pretty pretty impressive to see. And I, as as a girl dad, just watching the game, they did televise it too on on TSN National Sports Network. It was really fun watching it with my daughter too. Just not that she's that into sports but just you know to say that wow you can really do something special and we talked about a an incredible uh, woman scientist on the show la- last week and, and i just wanted to say to see like these these opportunities that are there it's pretty cool but here, here's what's also intriguing here's what's also intriguing um there is a rumor out there on the men's side of things the toronto raptors fired their head coach nick nurse they won the championship in 2019 he's gone Lots of other championship-winning coaches in the NBA have, have got their walking papers as well in recent days. Mike Budenholzer, the Milwaukee Bucks, uh, 2021 champion, he's out of a job. And just this weekend, Monty Williams, the coach of uh, recent coach of the year with Phoenix, he is gone now as well. They kind of didn't get through to the Western Conference final despite adding Kevin Durant. So anyways, the Raptors have some people to choose from, but some people think they might actually... The, the Vegas odds makers, for whatever this is worth, are... are betting that the leading candidate to get this job is a woman. Her name is Becky Hammond, and she was uh, a Hall of Fame women's player, played in the WNBA. Uh, She's also been coaching in the NBA as an assistant coach to Greg Popovich in San Antonio. And so Greg Popovich is one of the most famous basketball coaches in the world. So there there is a, a hot rumor that the Toronto Raptors might hire her to be their next head coach. Listen, if a woman becomes a head coach of a men's professional franchise, no matter what the sport is, this, this is not only the top news and you know on, on the headline of uh, it's not going to be above the fold, if you will, on ESPN. It's going to be one of the top stories in the news cycle all around the world. Will it happen? I, I don't know. I, I'm not sure, but apparently she's going to get an interview. She won the WNBA championship as a coach of the Las Vegas Aces last year. But anyways, here's what um. Uh, Dan Hughes said about her. He was the general manager of the San Antonio Stars uh, WNBA franchise, which became the Las Vegas Aces. Eventually they moved. But when Becky Hammond played there um, and eventually became the head coach there. Anyways, here's what uh, he said about her. Quote, I'm honestly amazed there has been more of a rush to offer her a position like this. The thing I would want as a general manager is somebody who is ready to be a coach, and male or female, you have to take a look at this coach. Eight years with Greg Popovich, a good record of success as a player, a good reputation with the players she's worked with. She goes into the WNBA, wins a championship in her first year as a head coach. It took me 16 years to win a championship. You tell me. Someone was, someone is going to pull the trigger on this and hire her, and if I was a GM, I'd be pulling the trigger. This is a unique situation because she's probably overprepared for the job. She's more than ready to be a head coach, and she proved that last year. End of quote. That so this would be a really interesting development if this happens, and it remains to be seen. But that would be a, a wild story that's going to be 
again, in every major news outlet, 60 Minutes, I'm sure, will do a profile on it. We'll see what happens. We'll see what happens. But um, one thing that's true, though, if you're, if you're a coach, uh, it's, you know, you're, you're eventually hired to be fired no matter what. But I, that was just an intriguing thing that, that I saw this weekend um, that was kind of fun. And uh, I'm hoping to have a fun week with all of you on the Cable Clark Show. But don't forget, this week on The Faith Explained, we've got a, a new miniseries called The Biblical Roots of the Papacy. The Faith Explained, of course, is our teaching show on Relevant Radio. It comes on at 1230 Central right after the Holy Mass. You can catch the podcast anytime. This is a great show to binge listen to, to share with a friend. And today we had the first episode of the series on the biblical roots of the papacy. This is probably one of the top two or three questions that I get on the faith explained from listeners. So this question comes up time and time again, Catholics write in who say that they have an evangelical friend who basically asks them, what's up with the papacy? I don't see this anywhere in the Bible. And how do I explain this? Well, well, we're going to try. And, and it starts really with Peter. So if you missed today's episode, check out the archives, check out the Faith Explained show streaming on the Relevant Radio app, relevantradio.com. We kind of went into Peter in the New Testament, and we'll do a little bit more of that tomorrow. We'll talk about how the papacy is actually prophesied in the Old Testament. Really interesting. A lot of people don't know that. It's kind of prefigured. And uh, we'll also talk about tomorrow in our Q&A segment on the Faith Explained, the curious case of Ananias and Sapphira, the married couple in Acts chapter 5, and they they're struck dead by God for lying about they sold a field, gave the proceeds to the church. They kind of lied about, you know, how much of the, is there, it's just a strange scenario. A lot of people think, man, did they really need to die for this? This seems harsh. This seems capricious and cruel for God to do this. How could he allow this? So we'll, we'll talk about that uh, tomorrow on the program on the Faith Explains. You're not going to want to miss that 1230 Central, but certainly keep it locked on Relevant Radio all night long. We've got a great lineup all night long, all morning strong. Just keep it locked 24-7. Don't sleep. Only listen to Relevant Radio. It's what we want you to do. No, you got to take care of yourself. You pray. <laughs> you got other needs. you got to look after your family. But, you know, it's nice if you have us on in the background. We do really appreciate that. This has been the Kale Clark Show on Relevant Radio. Jim Shaper produced. Thomas, young Thomas Engeser, took your phone calls. Patrick A. Lock will be back soon. God bless all of you. Timory's up next, followed by Father and the Family Rosary. Take care. Take it away, Michaela. Thank you for listening to my daddy. <laughs>